0: Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane.
1: On this episode, baiting and trapping entire groups appears to be one of the more effective means of eliminating wild pigs. The Squeal on Pigs campaign in Manitoba launched early this year and is designed to inform the public about the dangers posed by wild pigs and to provide a mechanism to report sightings. Dr. Wayne Lees is the coordinator of the Manitoba Invasive Swine Eradication Project. He will share the latest research and explain how those sightings can be reported. Well, there is a new report out that says grain farmers need better grain contracts. Last year's drought drastically reduced yields and in turn forced many producers to buy out their contracts, costing some hundreds of thousands of dollars. Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan and Crop Development Groups hired mercantile consulting ventures to study the matter. A past President Ian Boxall says it found that only 46% of farmers felt they were treated fairly in the contract process. After the break, Wayne Lees.
0: Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarland.
1: With me is Dr. Wayne Lees, the coordinator of the Manitoba Invasive Swine Eradication Project. And uh, let's start off today, Wayne, by talking about the Squeal on Pigs campaign and how it came to be.
2: The Squeal on Pigs campaign is designed to alert the public uh, about the uh, issues involving invasive wild pigs and these pigs can be pigs that uh, have escaped or are actually breeding in the wild now. And uh, they cause a lot of damage, not just to agricultural crops, but to the environment as a whole. So the Squeal on Pigs campaign really is, uh, performs two services. It uh, creates awareness among the public about about the issue, but it also provides a way for people to report sightings of wild pigs so that we can actually take action to, uh, to hopefully remove uh, wild pigs from the landscape. Specifically on the landscape, um, because they eat almost anything, they can do a lot of environmental damage. Um, and they can damage pastures as they uh, root looking for grubs and things in the soil, Uh, they can damage crops that are in the field, uh, by trampling and eating. Uh, in, in, uh, many cases, uh, the evidence is not seen from the edge of the crop. It's only once people start harvesting and then they recognize how much damage has been done to the field. And they, they can also, uh, cause damage to stored crops too, um, stored grain or, uh, other crops, uh. Through their destructive behavior by uh, chewing through uh, grain bags or things like that. So it's very difficult to get uh, a really accurate estimation of numbers. Uh, but what I can tell you is that the scope of the issue is much bigger than was first anticipated. When we launched this uh, program, back in, in in January of this year, um, much of the information was developed through uh, sightings around the Spruce Woods area. But since we've launched our campaign, we've found uh, repor- reports of sightings uh, much further north and much further east. Uh, and so the scope of the geographical um impact, I think, is is much broader than when we first anticipated. And uh, so it's, it's an issue that I think we probably underestimated to begin with uh, until we got the word out and people started to report sightings to us.
1: So how can the public participate?
2: Well, we have two ways of reporting. Uh, most people actually report on our website, which is squealonpigsmb.org and there's a way there that people can report uh, what they've seen and when they've seen it and where they've seen it and that works actually quite well. Other people have reported using our toll-free number which is 1-833-SPOT-PIG and uh, both of those methods uh, have been quite successful Um, if people make a report, uh, we usually, if there's information that's missing, we'll, we'll contact them back and ask them for a little bit more uh, detail on the report. And uh, I- if we can uh, uh, determine that there are pigs in that area, we- we'll certainly uh, try our best to, uh, to initiate further action to capture them.
1: Maybe just explain for us what signs that people should be looking for, because obviously you're not always going to see the pigs themselves, but there are going to be signs that they, they have been present.
2: Well, they may see the pigs directly uh, running through a field, and quite a few of the reports have actually reported uh, visual sightings of pigs. Uh, the other sign that's that's actually quite noticeable is in a pasture, um, the rooting behavior looks like a rototiller just went through your pasture, and uh, that's fairly dramatic, and that's very good evidence that pigs are in the area.
1: Well, there are definitely things that people should not be doing, so maybe explain some of those, Wayne.
2: We generally discourage hunting, and the reason for that is that it's been shown that uh, hunting wild pigs actually disperses them and makes them harder to trap. So um, it might be a little bit counterintuitive, but um, hunting them has been shown in other areas to be much, much less effective. And uh, so we're learning those lessons and and trying to avoid um, making pigs either harder to trap or dispersing the area uh, in which they roam.
1: So once a population has been identified, then uh, what is the action that's taken?
2: Well, our project, uh, we have several field people who will go out, and the first step is usually to uh, interview the people involved and gather more information if it looks like there are pigs in the area, we can set up a trail camera to try to uh, capture sightings of the pigs to determine where they're actually moving. And then from then on, if it's, uh, if those things are positive, then we, we will establish uh, a, a baiting and trapping uh, corral system in that area so that we can actually capture the pigs. And uh, sometimes we've we've had it uh, where numbers of pigs uh, will visit a corral in in succession. so we always try to capture the whole group at once if we can.
1: What would you say are the key challenges in finding and uh, potentially eradicating wild pigs?
2: Well, I think you've said it. I mean finding them is is can be very difficult and uh, we Basically, have to attract the pigs to come to a trap, and so uh, knowing where they are, what their habits are, uh, where their their uh, routes of travel uh, take them, that's uh, a key element in our ability then to to be able to find the pigs in the first place.
1: Is there any place that um, people can go to get more information?
2: Well, I would encourage folks to visit the website, the Squeal on Pigs MB.Org website, and uh, there's some very good information there in terms of uh, some photos of what to look for if you want to see signs of pigs, and there's also the uh, the reporting um, website so that folks can actually make a sighting uh, report so that we get the information that we need to be able to uh, determine what our actions will be.
1: Any final thoughts, Wayne? I
2: would just encourage people to keep their eyes and ears open, especially during the summer when they're out moving around. Um, The evidence of wild pigs, I think, is uh, it can be a little bit subtle to begin with, but once you know what you're looking for, uh, then I think... uh, Uh, we'd really encourage folks to report that.
1: Wayne Lees is the coordinator of the Manitoba Invasive Swine Eradication Project. After the break, Ian Boxall, the president of the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan, talks about a recent study on grain contracts.
0: Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane.
1: Ian Boxall is the president of the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan, part of a number of groups that hired a company to study grain contracts. So Ian, what did this report compiled by Mercantile Consulting Ventures tell us?
0: I think it just shows some of the, you know, inconsistencies and in how you know grain buyers dealt with the 2021 shortfall, you know, inconsistencies from, you know, buyer to buyer and terms and conditions in each of those contracts that really hindered, really hurt farmers this past year after such a widespread drought.
1: Farmers need better grain contracts. That's what the report points to? I think it's,
0: you know, I think it's to better understand and bring balance within those grain contracts and improve clarity within the terms and conditions and, and our organization's, Hired the consulting firm to to do this review, to to find out exactly after so many phone calls from producers last year with hundreds of thousands and million dollars of payouts for grain contracts. We just need to get some clarity and some transparency within those contracts.
1: Are you looking to reallocate risk from farmers to grain companies?
0: Absolutely not. But we do want to sit down with grain buyers and come up with an improved grain contract that works for both parties. We're not looking to move risk, but in the same token, and we're not, we're also not looking to take away, make the contract so strict that it reduces the farmer's ability to negotiate or the buyer's ability to negotiate. But there are some terms and some conditions in the contract that could be clarified, that could be standardized across the industry just to make it better for everybody. If the grain buyer presents a contract and understands the terms and the conditions in it, he can better sell it to the producer who will be more confident in signing it.
1: What are some of the solutions that were outlined in the report?
0: I think let's sit down and let's sit down with the buyers and let's come in there into these these conversations with open mind and let's figure it out. I don't I don't know if there's necessarily any concrete fixes, but I think there are some things we can do to improve and we just need to approach this, all sides need to approach it with an open mind and come in and let's make it better for the industry.
1: What is the next step in this process, Ian? I think we'll wait and see if we get, you know, if we get some
0: interest from the buyers and the Western Grains Elevator Association to, to you know, sit down and start this dialogue moving forward. And I think right now with the geopolitical landscape in the in the world and and Canada gonna, going to be looked to to supply these food security for the world forward pricing of contracts gives the grain buyers an opportunity to get rail cars in place and get shipments in place for for their for their buyers and if we have a shortfall in forward pricing our transportation and our the logistics in the in this in that process will be hindered which which could affect food security around the world
1: APAS always has a number of issues on their plate. Do you consider the grain contract issue um, up there as one of the most important uh, to be addressed right now?
0: It's a, I, I think it is, you betcha. It's a priority for APAS and the commodity groups that commission this, this exchange. I think this is an issue that you know, we could come to resolve on with some open dialogue. And I believe after last year's drought that this is absolutely a, a, you know, a, at the forefront issue for, in most producers' minds.
1: We've heard a, some pretty scary stories about farmers that had to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars because they weren't able to meet those contracts. So obviously, that's a concern as farmers are looking to harvest and uh, pricing their their crops.
0: Hundreds of thousands. I've heard millions of dollars of buyouts, and I understand the producer signed the contract, and I get that. And we 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 do it for lots of reasons: cash flow storage all sorts of reasons and just I think you know a little bit of cockiness on our part and also on the part of the grain buyer who also wanted us to sell the grain was was one issue and I think moving forward this year I think we're seeing producers being gun-shy and not forward pricing as much which like I stated will put some issues in the logistics of transportation and shipping
1: Ian Boxall is the president of the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan. This is the Agriculture News and Review for the week of July 18, 2022. A new research agreement has been signed between Saskatchewan Pulse Growers and Lima Grain Field Seeds. Both parties will fund the pea and lentil variety research done by Lima Grain. Saskatchewan Pulse Growers Executive Director Carl Potts said the research will be based in Saskatoon and will target producer priorities like herbicide tolerance in lentils, resistance to root disease in peas and lentils, as well as improving yield and protein content. Nutrien announced the purchase of a Brazilian crop company with 39 retail locations and 10 distribution centers. The acquisition is expected to result in additional run rate sales of $400 million, increasing total Nutrien Egg Solutions annual sales in Latin America to $2.2 billion. The acquisition expands Nutrien's footprint in Brazil from 5 to 13 states and supports farmers in a key farming region. Nutrien will have 180 commercial units in Latin America as well as more than 700 crop consultants serving farmers in Argentina, Brazil, Chile and Uruguay. The Saskatoon-based company is the world's largest provider of crop inputs and services. The company produces and distributes about 27 million tons of potash, nitrogen and phosphate products worldwide. BHP says it is working to bring its Janssen potash mine into operation sooner than expected. The company says it's working to bring forward Stage 1 first production at the Saskatchewan mine to 2026. When BHP announced last year that it was going ahead with the project, the company said it wouldn't come into operation until 2027. However, in an operational review released yesterday, the company says a project is tracking to plan and it is working to begin production ahead of schedule. BHP also said it is assessing options to accelerate the second stage of the project. The Jansen mine is expected to produce about 4.35 million tons of potash per year with potential for further expansions. Corteva AgriScience has announced two new seed treatment packages for corn and canola farmers for next year. Producers will receive improved disease control with a canola fungicide package with four modes of disease protection, including a new active ingredient for airborne Black Lake protection. Black Lake can cause average yield losses of almost 10%. For corn growers, the seed treatment offers protection against a wide spectrum of diseases and nematodes.